Exact Nature loves partnering with the Sobriety Diaries because we are both 100% committed to helping you reduce your dependency on drugs and alcohol. Founded by a father and son in addiction recovery, Exact Nature's all-natural CBD products help you face the exceptional challenges of recovery, from addictive cravings to mood and focus, and my favorite, better sleep. Available in oils, soft gels, gummies, and topical creams, Exact Nature literally has you covered. As a supporter of the Sobriety Diaries, use the code TSD20 at checkout to receive a 20% discount on your order. This offer is good throughout 2023 and shipping is free. Go to exactnature.com to learn more and to see the full line of products in advanced strengths, economy sizes, and at value prices. Again, use the code TSD20 and head over to exactnature.com to see why these products should be a part of your sober life. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sobriety Diaries. I'm your host, Nate Kelly, a recovering alcoholic seven years from my last drink, a recovery mentor and podcast producer. I am so grateful to be bringing you these powerful stories of recovery told by you those who live them. Please share this podcast with anyone who may need it today. And with that, let's open the diary on episode 99. Welcome back to the Sobriety Diaries, friends. I am so excited today. Social media queen, writer, pop culture deep diver, truth seeker. She's got a massive TikTok following. I'm so excited that we connected. Welcome Meredith Lynch. Meredith, how are you today? I am great. How are you, Nate? Great. The sun is shining. We were talking a bit about it's kind of insufferable with the heat, but I'm not going to complain about it. It's a beautiful day, and I'm grateful that we're having this conversation. So couldn't be happier. Same. I feel like we're already applying some program. Yes, exactly. And if we help just one person, I say at the end of each episode, our job is done, and I'm confident we can do at least that. But really, you know, we're, we're going to dive into something that I haven't really heard you talk a lot publicly about, at least in your content, the recovery side of things. And I want to know how you, not that we need to label ourselves or categorize ourselves, but do you sort of see yourself living an alcohol-free life? Do you call yourself sober? Are you a recovering alcoholic? Let's start with sort of how you classify things, and then we'll go a little deeper. Such a great question, because I feel like it really depends who I'm talking to as how I label myself. So if I'm like talking to someone who's in recovery, I'll just say, oh, you know, I I don't drink, but I'm not in the program. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, And people are always like, oh, okay. And then if I'm with people who maybe aren't in the program or not familiar with recovery, I'll just be like, oh, I'm sober. Yeah. So... But I think if, if, you know, I was to, let's say I was having a deposition and, and they said, <laughs> how do you define yourself? I would say I don't use any substances. I don't have, I'm, but I don't work a program. That's what I, I don't work a traditional like recovery program for alcohol or drugs. 
So that's kind of how I would, that's sort of a very long answer to yeah. what was a very simple question. No, but it makes, I think, you know, those of us who recognize that about ourselves, I think it is more complicated than just a simple answer. So uh, totally respect your answer. I get it as someone who talks to many different people on the spectrum. I think it is definitely a spectrum. I think recovery definitely is not linear or the same for each person. So uh, I usually get a very personalized answer when I ask that question. So totally get it. I'm in good company. Yes. <laughs> One of the focuses today and something that I like to bring light to is Al-Anon and the uh, similarities within the program and how they sort of go hand in hand as addiction and recovery is is definitely a, a family disease. Why don't we dive into your personal journey a bit and walk through sort of how it started and how we've gotten to now over a year with no alcohol. My husband is an alcoholic in recovery. He was already in recovery when I met him. He had been sober for almost five years. And, you know, he is comfortable with me sharing this. Sometimes I'll make a TikTok and I'll reference my husband being in, in you know, sober in the program. And people are like, you've just outed him. And I'm like, no, if he's OK with it and he's right. sitting next to me and he actually like he really appreciates me sharing it. Obviously, we know the rules around anonymity. So. Right. He is in recovery. And so since day one of our relationship, the program was part of our relationship, right? Like he had meetings to go to and he worked, you know, with a sponsor. I knew all of these things. It was really though my first experience with any, with any type of 12 step program or anyone in recovery. And I definitely think that in the very beginning, I was kind of like, what is this going to be like? And then I just realized that being with someone who is actively working a program is actually a gift to a relationship. It's it's not a detriment. It's so life-giving. It's not perfect, right? But yeah. it does help. And sure. so it's it's you know, it's it's something to lean back on in your relationship as well as like I think individually. Sure. Because if you are working a program properly, you should be doing more of it outside of the rooms than inside, right? Like you're not going to be in the rooms every single day. And I, we talk a lot about like, had we met before he was sober, like we wouldn't have worked out. Like we wouldn't have been a couple. And yeah. like, that's not actually, it's not just, that's the other thing, the trap that people fall into is it'd be like, oh, well, it would have been all been him. And it's like, no, actually, like it probably would have, you know, I'm not saying that the person who isn't using doesn't like have the experience of like having things happen to them but usually there becomes a dynamic in the relationship and both people contribute to that so we always say it would never have worked if he was still actively using so our relationship was kind of built on that i was going through a particularly challenging friendship situation and I decided to go to Al-Anon to try to help me navigate that. I had a couple of friends who had told me they'd been to like an Al-Anon meeting here or there. Like I feel a lot of people who are in recovery have like checked out an Al-Anon meeting before. Maybe like they were at like a sobriety weekend yeah. and they're like, oh my God, 
turns out I need this um, because it is a family disease, right? Yes, yes. It seems like Gen Z is now like focused on physical health and mental health. And it's like out there more than it was. I feel like with our generation or like Gen Xers, it's like now more hip to be well than it is to be wasted, I think. So like there's this buzz around it, which I think makes it more easier for people to find programs like Al-Anon or seek out mental health treatment. So it makes sense, I guess, when you when you say that like friends were seeking out different options. Totally. And I also like as much as I knock on celebrities, and I'd love to hear your take on this, I do think that celebrity culture is something that's actually in some ways been really positive for you know, people exploring different paths to better mental health or better choices around substance. Totally agree. I think it kind of, to piggyback off, you know, what I just said, I think it perpetuates usually what happens in Hollywood and people like the uber wealthy start things first and then it kind of trickles down to like us regular folk. But I think like that focus on mental health or um, you know, sobriety is important and kind of started there and now is uh, more widespread, which I love. Definitely. So I was kind of like, okay, I, I, maybe I'll try this because like, here's the thing. It's like, what, is it going to hurt anyone? And I have to admit, like I would go with my husband once in a great while to meetings. Um, and I would almost feel a little bit envious that he had this place that he could go like a few times a week and just, you know, be seen, see other people, be vulnerable in like a really safe setting. Like I I remember going and being like, I wasn't jealous, but I think I was envious if that makes sense. Yes. And so I thought, all right, let me at least just try one of these meetings. And so I did. And, you know, I went in with like an open heart and an open mind, which I think is really important when you go to one of these. And like, you know, they say um, that they think you should go to six meetings before deciding if the program is right for you. But I think because I had already seen the power of it, I was like, oh, this is good for me. Like this can't, the thing about going to an Al-Anon meeting was I was like, this can't hurt me. Like what harm can it do? Right. I went into the rooms, like not thinking about my husband at all. Yeah. And then as I sat there and I started to think about my life and different relationships that I've had, not just like romantic, but like also like personal, I was like, oh my God, I'm addicted to alcoholics. I had no idea. And I was, at this point, my husband and I were engaged. And I was like, oh my God, I'm marrying an alcoholic. Like, that's not, it's not bad. It's not a bad thing. And, you know, I always like, I can sometimes get people reacting and being like, oh my God, your husband's like, you know, don't you worry about him all the time? I'm like, yeah, the same way that everybody worries about all of their partners all all the time, right? Like, Like, of course I worry about him, but not, I don't like, you know, and everybody's different and I'll get to that. But when I go, when an alcoholic goes out, they pick up another drink. When I go out, I pick up another alcoholic and I was just like, boom. Wow. That, that's me. That's, that is fascinating. I haven't really talked to anyone in Al-Anon where it 
affected them that way. They perhaps went to the program specifically because their spouse was an alcoholic or specifically because they grew up in a home with alcoholic parents. But to hear it from your perspective and that this is something you realized about yourself, wow, it's fascinating. It makes so much sense, though. And I think, yeah, I think a lot of people who might have like codependency issues, um, control issues, we attract alcoholics. We attract the chaos. We want to help them. I am an oldest child and I'm like a textbook oldest child. I'm an oldest daughter. My mom died when I was a teenager and I have two younger sisters. And so I am just, I like to be needed. I need to be needed. That is part of the way that the disease manifests itself um, in the alcoholic household. Because as you know, everybody becomes a player in the alcoholic household. It's not just the person who's using. And that's like one of the things that's so hard to get through to people is you're like, oh, you're that person is not the only issue here. You are doing something too. That doesn't mean that you created this. It doesn't mean that you're like, you know, a bad person, but you are probably doing something that is enabling this behavior. So I had to really step back and look at the relationships that I had and who I was attracting in my life and be like, oh my God, yes, my husband is an alcoholic in recovery and his recovery is really good and really strong, but he's still an alcoholic and he still has the tendencies of an addict. And he's like, I still play into that. So it was kind of this aha moment that I didn't even have like at the first meeting. Like it took me a little while that I was like, oh my God. Like I remember being in the meeting one day and being like, well, you know, my husband's an alcoholic. And then I realized like, I don't think that like anyone in this room knew that. Like I, (laughs) (laughs) they're probably all like, uh, sweetie, that's a very important piece of information that you have not been telling us. (laughs) But it wasn't that I was hiding it. It just hadn't it didn't come together for me. And then all of a sudden it did. Yeah. You buried the lead there, Meredith. Right. (laughs) Which like, to be honest with you, I'm sure it was like, even though, you know, let there be no gossip or crosstalk, I'm sure no one was talking about it, but I'm sure people were like, oh, well, this makes more sense. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Enlighten me a little on the program of Al-Anon. Do you work the steps with a sponsor in the same way? that we do in AA, is it, is it structured the same? I think it's very similar. And, you know, I'm someone who's been to open AA meetings, like enough open AA meetings to see different formats. The structure is really similar. The 12 steps are like basically the same. You just change it. I mean, step one is like, we are powerless over alcohol. Our lives have become unmanageable. Uh, It's the same step. Uh, and it's the same sort of, yes, you get a sponsor. Yes. You know, it's a lot of, um, similar ish literature. Um, yes, we do make amends and we go through, you know, that whole step. Um, and it's interesting because people often are like, when they first come in is are like, I don't have to make amends. Why would I need to make amends? Because I wasn't the problem. (laughs) But then you start to realize, oh, I treated like, you know, X person really badly because I was so busy covering up for wise person's mm. alcoholism. Great point. And so it it's like, oh, yeah, actually. And also, too, you have to oftentimes, not all the time, 
you you have to go apologize to the alcoholic because you've probably done things to them that are not good yes and not kind and so that's like i think that's like one of the hardest things and i will say that is hard for me i haven't done that with everybody but like i there are people who like that i tr- that i definitely not it's not even like enabling their behave- behavior to protect them it's like you create this sort of like well i'm the sober or i'm the good one because i don't have the problem it's like mm, yeah. no not like that not like that <laughs> well ideally you know and they say a lot the steps are in order for a reason right and ideally i think that newcomer right. by the time they get to step 9 will realize hopefully that that isn't the case and you know that's probably not why we rush in and, and start making amends day one uh because we realize sort of these things along the journey and by the time we get to nine uh not only have the sort of language and the resources behind what we want to say to someone but also realize exactly what you just said it's not uh, necessarily because you are or aren't the one who is using or, you know, it's not necessarily an apology, um, but sort of, you know, how to make things right and how to move forward. Um, so, yeah, I love that they say the steps are in order for a reason. That's so true. Yes, you're right. Like who who could show up at an AA meeting and be like, oh, yeah, like I'm I'm 24 hours sober. And then somebody would be like, OK, you need to go apologize to everyone. Like, <laughs> yeah. you'd be like Excuse Nobody me. Nobody would come back. I'm 24. Right. Like I, I just. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's you know, it's a program that you do at your own pace. Everyone is like, you know, I, I think they say this in AA, too, is like you're I'm forever a beginner in the program. So, like, I know we joke about like old timers and stuff, but like, I feel like usually old timers are the first ones to be like, I am I am forever a beginner. Like, that's yes. to me, that's like a, you know, good program. Right. So I am, I'm coming up on eight years in October and I mean, the rooms saved my life. No, no doubt about it. You know, I'm still active with folks that I've met in the rooms. I will say though, as the years roll on, you know, my recovery definitely evolves and this is a huge part of my recovery. Um, the sort of online recovery community social media sobriety social media recovery um you know just chatting with people on the podcast uh i have a book coming out soon like things that i have added to my recovery repertoire are just as important now as the rooms are to me um and i chat sometimes about the need for maybe some updates to the literature that we use in the rooms and you know not recreating the wheel because it has worked for 80 plus years but there's language that's exclusive not inclusive Mm -hmm. um, to some communities that are in the rooms these days and that's just my thoughts what i mean do you have thoughts or feelings on that have you noticed any of the literature being sort of exclusive or outdated i'm curious if if you know what your thoughts are on that yeah and i think you know one of the things that like when i first started going to meetings i was in boston i went to a meeting that was very liberal 
and we had taken a lot of our own liberties in making changes to you know different scripts etc yeah. um you know to t- to get rid of things like always just having god right yeah. um because yeah. i think that's part of it um and or you know he and or right. and she like you know like let's yeah. make it inclusive of you know all genders and they're really small changes i think like in terms of just like changing the script right like those yeah. are small things that can be done um but things like changing the literature, I feel like is harder because it is like, that is the stuff that I think is even more out, outdated sometimes. And it doesn't mean that the intent isn't still good, but it's the impact sometimes of some of the words. And I think like, I feel like I have a, a, a lot of privilege in the sense that like most of the things that are in there, like, you know, I identify, I'm a cis you know, heterosexual white woman, right? So the program wasn't exactly made for me, but it was almost made for me. Like it's, (laughs) I'm just like one step removed, right? Like the program is made for white straight men. Right. You know, and that is, that was very much, I think, unfortunately of the times. So I think it's really important that we have a program now that reflects more modern things. And I've talked to women who feel like it's not inclusive enough for women. Um, So I can't imagine how it must feel to be a part of the LGBTQIA community and be a part of the program. Um, I am all for making those shifts and the updates. It doesn't change. I don't think it changes the core 12 steps. Like Agreed. it does not change the intent of the program. That's where I that's where yeah. I stand. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. And I think you make a good point as to perhaps just the scripts and the sort of meeting aspect of it and the community aspect of it as we gather and as we form these communities, perhaps that's more important on the uh, inclusivity side of things as opposed to the actual you know, literature or what's contained within the big book. I think you said that great. Thank you. When you were experiencing the pandemic, did your program shift a lot? Like, is that when you sort of shifted to more online connection? Yeah, that's actually when I first launched the podcast. And, you know, you sort of saw these Zoom meetings popping up everywhere. I did a whole, I think, five episode series of individuals who got sober in the pandemic because I just couldn't imagine like a part that really hats off hats off the part that kept me the most sober at times was hugging people or you know somebody forced like literally picking me up at my apartment and dragging me to a meeting and getting me out of my house like these things kept me sober so kudos hats off to people who got sober via zoom during the pandemic uh, who listened to the podcast. Many, many thanks. Uh, hats off to you. Great job. And if I could just add, like I've talked to a couple people uh, who tried Al-Anon during the pandemic and they were like, oh, it's not for me. Like I went to a meeting during the pandemic and I, you know, dirt on Zoom and it wasn't for me. Now that things are opened back up and I am not saying the pandemic is over. <laughs> no. Here in Southern California, we have a lot of COVID cases right now. Same. Um, but if you, if it is available to you 
to go to a meeting in person now, I highly recommend going and trying and seeing it again in person because it is a different feeling. It is, you know, I've found meetings post pandemic to be very safe. You can, you know, sit far away, wear a mask, whatever, just go and experience it in person because there is a difference. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to plug that because it, and, and also too, like, you know, I also realized that there's not as many Al-Anon meetings around as there are other meetings. And so that can be a challenge too. And in that sense, like, you know, keep trying the Zoom meetings because I think it just takes time for things to click. I agree. Yeah. Give it another shot. I think there's something to be said about being in the room and feeling the energy of those people that are like-minded and that you share something so special with. Um, well said. Couldn't agree more. Even though LA recovery is big, I do sometimes feel like I'm like, oh, look, it's like a little more sober. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like people, I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. I'm not envious that you're drinking. I'm not longing to be drinking every day. Like I'm fine. You're making it a thing about you because you're uncomfortable. I'm cool. I'm legit. Well, that's, I'm, yes. I'm good. You know? <laughs> totally. And like, it's funny because when people find out my husband is sober, sometimes they'll be like, oh my God, are you like allowed to have alcohol in the house? I'm like, well, everyone's different. Yeah. But like, yes, that is totally fine. Um, And like, if I'm having people over now, like I'll like be like, hey, if you want to bring like a beverage or if like I have a bottle of wine at the house, like I cook with alcohol still like it burns off so like people don't yes. at me okay like I, I use like a like a cooking like a teaspoon of vodka in my vodka sauce okay right. so yeah. um I'm to totally fine with that and but yeah people will often be like are, are you worried that your husband's like gonna start drinking again I'm like listen never say never I don't want to like you know be I I know well enough to like not say like oh my god that could never happen but like no it's not like a day-to-day -day concern of mine but I will say that <laughs> I told my husband when I was a kid, there was an AA meeting across the street from my aunt's house. And now I was probably like in third or like probably like fourth grade. And my aunt told me, she said, oh, yeah, you know, there's an AA meeting across the street. That's why all the cars come at like six o'clock at night mm. and it gets really busy on my street. And I thought that that meant that like these people were like white knuckling it to the meeting every single day and right. maybe they were but my my for like my impression of it was i was like oh my god if someone's in in aa it means like they like how are they surviving right like how are they getting through the day i didn't realize that people like got to a point in recovery in their lives where they'd be like oh yeah like i'm so so <laughs> with that and that's not to say right. that someone can't you know struggle again or it might not come out in a different way but once you're really close i think with someone in the program you realize that like people like a good per a person who's really working their program is like not really faced by a lot of it and no, you know is able to find joy and experiences in other parts of their lives, if that makes sense. Yeah, the joy does come back. And it's more than about the upkeep. It's not, you know, struggling each day. And, uh, you know, it's as much a, a mental disease as it is physical. So once that mental obsession diminishes, then it's about the upkeep and it's about 
the camaraderie and the community and, um, you know, relating to like-minded people, I think. But I think, yeah, when we're younger, there is that perception that alcoholics or people in AA meetings are like, you know, still holding the brown paper bag and haven't showered in two weeks and, you know, yes, and not that cigs. there's like, of course, everyone comes right. Everyone comes in in different ways, and I totally get that. But like, there is this misconception, and like, once you start realizing how many, like, also the funny thing is like, once you start telling people, like, once I started telling people, like, oh, my husband's in the program, like, and listen, people should have their anonymity. But once you start saying that, it'll be like, oh yeah, my dad's an alcoholic oh, yeah. in recovery. He's been sober since before I was born. You're like, oh, cool. I've known you for like 10 years. You never, yes. never told me that. Like, and that's fine. That's, but like, there's just like, you realize that recovery is everywhere. Once we everywhere. stop being quiet and silent about it, we realize that it's everywhere. Happy Sober Day, friends. For additional episodes of The Sobriety Diaries or to apply to be a guest on the show, Check us out on the web at thesobrietydiaries.com or for our video interviews, head over to youtube.com slash Nate Kelly. And don't forget to rate and review our show on whatever platform you're listening on. It truly helps others to find the show. And in turn, we really could help save lives with just a few clicks. Thanks so much for downloading today's episode. And now back to our story. I wanted to to mention also about sort of the idea of an influencer and influencing behavior just in the by definition of the word and you know we talked a little bit about um you know Gen Z bringing uh highlighting a bit more of um mental and physical wellness how do we get to the point where an influencer is influencing behavior and wellness and not like lip liner and mascara. <laughs> and I think you mean like not also like um, bloom nutritional. Yes. Gosh. <laughs> you know, what's so funny is like all these influencers like reach out and say, oh my God, like, of course I got another email from bloom and like they're trying, but they're tempting me with so much money. I'm like, they don't contact me. Like you guys, <laughs> I am so lame that like even bloom is like, oh no, we're not going. So are not, you kidding that. me? Nope. Um, so, you know, it's funny. Like my, I try to apply some of the principles of the program to my content. And it's funny, like people who are in the program will pick up on it. Like I was explaining something the other day on my on my content and I said well you know like I am not terminally unique and somebody was like gotcha like <laughs> caught yeah. that yeah. and it's just yeah exactly and like you know um one of the things I say about my content is take what you like and leave the rest um because it's one of my favorite slogans because yeah. I think it's like one of the most freeing slogans of the program I have to be honest I pretty much take most things in the program but I actually do take Take what you like and leave the rest with family members, friends. It's genius. Situations at work. It's so important. Religion. Mm -hmm. Like there is even like, listen, I don't know if I should. I'm like, a, I, I'm I'm a liberal. OK, but the other night I did catch part of the RNC debate and I that's not my jam. <sighs> and I don't know if I'm going too far by talking. No, politics. no, you're fine. <laughs> OK, it was painful, though. Yeah, it was painful. <laughs> and the one thing that I said was, you know, I give 
Asa Hutchinson and Chris Christie's credit for saying that they wouldn't endorse Trump if he was the nominee. And I'm like, that doesn't mean that I like them, but I can for one minute take what I like, which is you're standing by your you know thoughts on Trump and leaving the rest. Yes. So it can be a really great way too of looking at political things, I think. So anyway, long story short, I I think that the problem with the way the wellness industry has happened on TikTok is that it has happened through products and our program is based on attraction, not promotion. Yes, yes. Right? Like, <laughs> and I always say it like that because it's yeah. like, oh, like, of course. <laughs> yeah. um, and it is like, it is in the blood of a person in Al-Anon to be like, well, you just gotta you just gotta try this program. Yeah. Like way yep. more than a person in AA. That's right. the, that's the problem with people in Al Anon is like we have to check ourselves so much more to be <laughs> like, oh, I'm pushing this, aren't I? So like people will sometimes come to me and be like, I have questions about Al Anon and I'm like, hit me up, but I will never like be like, come to this meeting yeah. or do this with me because like the resources are there. You can like, there are, you know, especially in Southern California, the, you can get them online. You can look them up. Like you can do this. So that's a great way for people in Al-Anon to practice their program. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> to, like not force meetings on, on other people. <laughs> yeah. I usually say like, here's, here's what it's done for me. This is how it's improved my life. Mm. These are the meetings mm-hmm. I go to. Maybe I'll see you there one day. You know, it's not like pushing things. It's, it's our experience strength and hope <laughs> here's how it's worked for me here's what i do here's where i'll be maybe i'll see one there one day and it's where I, I love that end up seeing them there one day so um yeah that's what's been successful for me i love that that's such a good way of looking at it i think maybe sometimes i get a little too in my like I will not tell you anything about <laughs> yeah. the meeting, not because I'm like trying to like be careful with anonymity, but because like, I think when I first got in, I was like, everyone should be here. It's amazing. Uh-huh. Everyone yeah. should be in this program. It's so good. And it's so funny when I first see people first come into the program, like I can, I can't tell you how many times it's been like somebody's like first like month in meetings and they like have a notebook and they're like taking notes and they're like organizing everything. And they're going so hard on the, on like they bought every book and you're just like, like first day like, of kindergarten. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I get it because you can like they feel like they can control that and like yeah. listen if that's how you what you need to do to come into meetings that's great but again like I think it's really healthy to have a boundary around how you share your experience because you also like you don't want to get caught in like a trap of having to like be someone else's connection to meetings true yes that's a great point to have them discover it on their own and make their own way have their own favorite meetings and their own group and things yeah that's a great point so meredith uh, i usually like to leave our listeners with some tangible things to maybe put one foot in front of the other if someone's still struggling today or has a family member who is struggling what are some actionable items that they can take away from our conversation today I think the biggest thing I would say, and I know I've already said it, but I think it bears repeating is take what you like and leave the rest. Seriously. Don't think that this program is something that you have to apply every single piece of to your life. Don't think that this program is the end all be all. Um, 
it can be very healing. It's a gentle program, but it's not an easy program and you never graduate. So it's something that you can always come back to. If you have been to one meeting and, you know, you haven't been in years, 30 years, go back again. It's still there for you. No one's going to judge you for coming back into the rooms. People are just going to be happy to see you. So go in with an open, like I said, go in, if you can go in the way that I did to my first meeting, which was with an open heart and an open mind and see what happens. Well said. And, you know, I've yet to come across someone who regrets getting sober or regrets cutting alcohol out of their life. So once you start to realize those benefits, uh, hopefully, you know, it will be uh, just a better journey ahead as it's been for me. And it sounds like it has been for you as well. Definitely. Thank you so much, Nate, for inviting me to talk about this. I talk a lot about lip liner and <laughs> Bethany Frankel yes. and climate change. We really cover the gamut on my yes. TikTok, but I love sharing this part of my life and it's so great. And, you know, congratulations to you that you have built this community because the whole point of AA, I think, is and, and 12 step recovery is connection. And, and you're doing that through this. So thank you. That's right. Thank you so much. I'll link your socials and everything in today's show notes. Such a pleasure getting to know you, Meredith. Let's keep in touch. Maybe we can collab on something in the future. I'd love to. Would love that. Thank you, Nate. Thanks so much for listening today, friend. Hopefully you heard something that resonates with you. And if we help just one person, our job is done. Make sure you check today's show notes for all the information discussed in today's episode and how to connect with our guests. Until next Wednesday, try your best not to drink and be good to yourself. Bye, everyone.